sunshine. Kumo D. All time, feel the heartbeat. Feel the heartbeat. Where the treacherous threes, we got a new heartbeat. Hi everyone, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo, I'm the author of the film review website Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews, you can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R dot net. I also want to let you know that I do another film podcast that covers movies that are out in the movie theater right now or on VOD, generally new movies. It is called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. Just search for it wherever you're listening to this right now and you'll find it. Just remember that Quipster is spelled with a W instead of a U. Today we're going to be getting into another trilogy of sorts, even though it really kind of fits in thematically with my previous trilogy of films featuring hip-hop from the 1980s, because this is a hip-hop film as well. In many respects, it is kind of a a documentary on hip-hop of the early 1980s in a variety of different artistic forms, not just rapping, but also breakdancing, as well as graffiti. It is called Style Wars, a very influential film from 1983. As I mentioned, it's a documentary And it's not rated, I would probably rate it PG-13 for its language and some suggestive material in the art. It's a 69-minute movie, so an hour and 19 minutes, fairly short. There's no real cast here because it's a documentary, but you will find then-New York Mayor Ed Koch in the film, as well as graffiti artists like Scheme and Scene and Case and Dondi and Crazy Legs, uh, who's a breakdancer, and other breakdancing crews and hip-hop artists that you may have recognized over the years. Tony Silver is the director of the film. As I mentioned, it's a documentary, and it looks at the street art among the youth of New York during the early 1980s, was primarily shot between the years 1981 and 1983, came out in a variety of different forms. It was tweaked over the years to a short run time to a longer run time. There was a director's cut that was almost two hours long, but the version that you'll end up seeing most is this hour and 19 minute version. Now, pretty much all of the art that you see in this film is something that emanated from the South Bronx during the 70s into the early 80s, particularly in the graffiti art and the breakdancing and the rapping. The film here takes a balanced look at the youth culture. It shows the artistry and the thought that's involved in the young people trying to make a name and an impact by creating art for people all over the city to see on the side or maybe even the interior of a subway train. But it also shows the frustration on the part of then-Mayor Ed Koch, as well as law enforcement, and also the MTA, who ran the subway trains and trying to keep the city from the blight of illegal art that often looked like gibberish to most people. Now, the interviews in this film and the other content were shot over the course of those two years, with a little bit of light narration from Sam Schacht. It's a film that originally aired on PBS stations in January of 1984 before it ended up heading off 
toured the film festival circuit, and there it actually was very acclaimed. It won several prestigious awards for documentary film. The documentary would also mark the first exposure for many people, many viewers, outside of the region to hip-hop culture beyond a few of the known hit songs of the time. Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang and The Message by Grandmaster Flash were known, but for the most part, not necessarily the rest of the culture of hip-hop. And those songs, plus a few others, are featured among the rap songs in the film. The producer of the film, Henry Chalfant, had started the film as a documentary on breakdancing, but then he ended up feeling that there wasn't enough material to really make it a feature documentary, so he included some of the footage to include rapping and graffiti art, and they went out and shot a little bit more. Uh, The latter of which, the graffiti art, would become the predominant focus, actually, of the feature by the end of it. The director here, Tony Silver, and his crew managed to get some surprisingly personal looks at the graffiti artists who show their faces on the screen. They show you their personal lives. You go into the home of one of them, a teenage artist named Scheme, whose mother is also interviewed, and it shows her ceaseless disdain at her son's hobby that she thinks is way too dangerous and really a colossal waste of time for a little perceptible value. Scheme himself, though, takes great pride in his works going so-called all-city, And all city means that a train that's traveling throughout the city is going to be seen by New Yorkers all over, and they'll see his art on that train. Scheme claims that it doesn't really matter who sees it, but you get the sense through the interview that he's very proud to announce to the world that he indeed exists. It really is kind of a calling card for himself that he is known, and the importance that his work is going to fill the eyeballs of many, even if it's only to observe it as blight. That's something he finds value in, that he exists and people know who he is, even if they don't really know who he is. The cops here set up barbed wire fencing and guard dogs to keep the graffiti artists from getting into the private railroad yard or painting up the brand new and clean cars before they go out to their inevitable public home where they are pretty vulnerable. There are interviews here not only given to Mayor Ed Koch, during a movement where he begins to crack down on the vandalism in a two-pronged approach that provides extra security for the subway cars, but also he mounts an advertising campaign to try to paint the practice of graffiti as not only a crime, but also very uncool among the idols that are shown in the advertising campaign, including famous actors and athletes like Hector Camacho. and It tells the kids that it's not the way to success. Other interviews on the anti-graffiti side include... NYPD police officers, you get some MTA employees, and it shows that the cost of graffiti is substantial, not only to the quality of life, but also in the removal, and some of the removal of graffiti really doesn't take a lot off, it just muddies the work, and that makes the environment even uglier to some people. The Style Wars as a film is called such because it emphasizes the progression of graffiti art from being merely just someone tagging their names in public spaces to actually fully painted murals on city walls or subway tunnels or the sides of train cars, most notably. Even the writing of one's tagger name becomes an elaborate piece of art in itself. The artists really work hard to get their name out there and to have a certain style for that name that is unique to them. Now, some of the artists that are featured in this film actually managed to get their art showcased on canvas in galleries to have their work taken seriously, even though the street taggers may not respect this as much as making their name seen and 
make a more public impact on a city wall or as a train travels around the New York boroughs. Perhaps they felt that that was kind of selling out to a certain extent. The Style Wars is delivered with astonishing insight and access to the people who you would normally think would not want their faces shown on camera for fear of harassment or apprehension by the authorities. They kind of worked it out with the mayor and the authorities to be able to showcase all of this and not really have them get hassled by the law enforcement for their participation in this documentary that is trying to show both sides, even though to a certain extent you side with the graffiti artists, I think most of the time, even though personally I'm not a big fan of graffiti generally. The demystification here of the graffiti artist is what makes this a particularly unique look. Because to most people, there really is no connection between the art that you see in the public arena and the artist itself. Many assumptions are made about the nature of the vandals as a result. One myth that gets exposed by Style Wars is that graffiti is done almost exclusively by either black or Hispanic kids in the inner cities. You see a collection, a pretty large collection of the kids shown in Style Wars are actually white. Another myth that's debunked is that only young punks are doing the art because we come to learn that the graffiti art is just as much a vocation among adults, some of whom you would likely never suspect by looking at them that they ever picked up a spray can, much less went out and broke the law to get their name on a roving train car. So in the end, when you watch this film, you have to still ask yourself, is this graffiti art or is it illegal vandalism? And does it make for a more interesting cultural environment to have that graffiti? Or is it diminishing the quality of life for all of the denizens who have to see it all around whether they like to or not? This is an answer that may be forever within the eyes of the beholder, but I think that Style Wars as a film really does show that there's much more that meets the eye that you might not have otherwise perceived. As a film about graffiti art, and graffiti art itself has been in and out of vogue over the years, it's interesting enough just on its own. However, as one of the earliest documents of the burgeoning hip-hop movement just before it broke out of its home in the Bronx, I think that this is an absolutely vital film. Blight or beautiful? One thing for certain, this documentary on graffiti, Style Wars, has become a treasured work of art in and of itself. And one I have to give four stars to. I really think that this is a great documentary, and I definitely do think it's worth seeking out if you're at all into the early days of hip-hop or breakdancing or graffiti art or just want a really riveting documentary on its own about New York in the early 1980s that really showcases art and what it means to people who perform that art in whatever form it is, even if they have to break the law to do it. So four stars out of four goes to Style Wars from 1983. And I just want to mention Tony Silver and producer Henry Chalfont would revisit this material and the featured artists again 20 years later in the 2003 short documentary is a little bit over a half hour called Style Wars Revisited. You can find that on the 2003 release of the DVD as well. Style Wars is released on Blu-ray actually they were able to remaster it through the help of a lot of people uh, who did a fundraiser, including Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers, really went out and tried to get money to have it remastered because it's been a work that was bootlegged and bootlegged and bootlegged over the years, and the original film stock was never really cleaned up. You get that on Blu-ray. It's cleaned up and ready to go. However, if you're somebody who's not willing to shell out the money or have a hard time finding it, it is easily available. I mentioned this last week. It's easily available on YouTube or Vimeo or any other streaming platform. You can probably find it with a very quick search. 
This will be the first of a three-part series of its own, even though thematically it really is in keeping with the previous work. I'm going to continue on with another couple of films that feature breakdancing, just as Style Wars really featured, to a certain extent, breakdancing. Two more breakdancing films after this to go in our next trilogy. Break In from 1984 is the next film I'm going to be reviewing. And by break in, I mean break in with an apostrophe at the end of it, not breaking in somewhere. <laughs> Lucinda Dickey, Adolfo Quinones, Michael Chambers. It was a pretty big popular film for its time, a fad film. And it really was looking at breakdancing as a fad. The film was kind of a fad itself, although breakdancing still survived and still does quite to this day. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you have any ideas as far as what kind of films you want to see showcased on this podcast that covers films of the 1980s, seek my contact information out at my website. That's qwipster.net. Until next time, thanks, everyone, for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Broken glass everywhere People pissing on the stage You know they just don't care I can't take the smell Can't take the noise Got no money to move out I guess I got no choice Rats in the front room Roaches in the back Junkies in the alley With the baseball bat I tried to get away But I couldn't get far Cause a man with the touch Repossessed my car Don't push me Cause